From New York City, the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production present Live from America Podcast. We will make America great again. How about new, you crazy Dutch bastard? Live from America Podcast. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created. No, 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 no. Excuse me. Just so you understand. We can't be the stupid country anymore. Live from America Podcast. I believe we can keep the promise of our founding. The idea that if you're willing to work hard, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what you look like or where you love. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Native American or young or old or rich or poor, able, disabled, gay or straight. You can make it here in America if you're willing to try. It's just words, folks. It's just words. This is Live from America Podcast with Noam Dorman and Haddon Gab. We are back. Hello. Hey. Hatan's hey. back. Yeah, finally. After. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I was away for a couple of months. We'll talk about that later. Welcome to Live from America podcast from the cellar. Uh, George is here. I don't know your last name, George. Buckwalter. Buckwalter. And comedian Derek Humphrey. Hey, what's up? Noam Dorman, of course. Derek is famous because he was the only comedian who wouldn't put Louis C.K. on. I'll never forgive him. No, no, we'll never forgive you. Never forgive me. I'm a bad. Something wrong with his mic. But go ahead. Yeah. And the return of our friend Dennis Avalos. Hey, welcome back. He's a an attorney, a defense defense attorney, and analyst for defensive attorney. Sounds like I'm a strong safety for the Cleveland. I was going to say defense because I'm I'm used to saying defense when I coach. You know, so defense attorney. Uh, and um, analyst for uh, MSNBC and NBC. Perfect day for you today. Perfect. Perfect day for me to be here. What a day. Yeah, today we, we had to Michael you. Cohen testimony before Congress. It is a thrill to be here. Yeah, I know. What so, it, come on, let's get right to it. Good day for Trump, bad day for Trump. All in all, it was going to be a bad day for Trump, uh, but on the whole, you know, having watched all day, I don't know who else watched all day. I, I feel like a lot of America did. On the whole, I think the biggest bombshells came in Cohen's opening statement. And largely today, I felt that some of the Congress folks who asked questions could have made them a little more targeted, maybe a little more surgical. And I think after eight hours of testimony or more, they could have gotten a lot more out of Michael Cohen. Maybe he's just been picked clean after this many this many years and uh, months under the uh, gun. I think I'm... Cutting out a little, a little in and out, but uh, but as long as you guys have me, the recording yeah. didn't hear that, did it? That wasn't a that wasn't a mute. Okay, go okay, ahead. good. So one of the things, uh, uh, one of the things I think that uh, the takeaways from today uh, are minor compared to the things that Cohen said in his opening statement, which were that uh, that Donald Trump directed essentially a crime, which was paying off uh, the uh, the porn star and the um, and the Playboy model. Now. I know that last time I was here, Noam and I talked about this a lot. And one of the things that you have to realize is that whether or not you think campaign finance law is silly, whether you think it 
it's uh, the lesson of John Edwards is that you can't get a conviction on campaign finance law because he was prosecuted but not convicted. The bottom line is last summer, Michael Cohen stood in the Southern District of New York before a federal judge and admitted to a crime. Uh, and that crime was uh, was making uh, camp- illegal campaign finance uh, payments. He implicated Donald, Donald Trump in that crime. And just a few weeks later, the Department of Justice, through the U.S. attorneys, uh, basically filed documents saying, yeah, that's what we believe. And so, if nothing else, today reinforced the fact that Donald Trump engaged in activity with Michael Cohen that Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to, and that is a crime. Let me push back on that. Of course. No, I, I expect I nothing think less. I think you're out to lunch on this. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> okay. First of all, as you know, people uh, plead to crimes all the time. Doesn't mean they, they, they did them. But, uh, I mean, he's, he's try- he, he took a plea. This is the least important of the argument. He took a plea. It sounds so weird in here. But anyway, he took a plea in order to uh, get a reduced sentence. So, but, but more importantly, Cohen said today that Trump wanted to pay this woman off. And he told Cohen and there was, he, he listed like five mm-hmm. Jews in a row. Did you hear that? It was just like one Jew after that. I saw the climb under the table. I, my, <laughs> my wife literally moved away from me. I thought we were. I thought I was, I thought I was watching uh, Shandro's list. I thought I was watching Al Jazeera. <laughs> anyway, and uh, but uh, uh, why is it? Weiselberg. Alan Weisselberg. Weisselberg. That's Jewish, right? Anyway, so, so, <laughs> You're checking with me. <laughs> so Cohen, Cohen he, he says, listen, I want to do this. You guys go figure it out. Right. Now, that to me, like I'm in that situation. And if, if I tell my one of my professionals, I, w- I want to pay her off, figure that out. Uh, they either figure it out and tell me what to do or they come back and say, no, you can't do that. It's illegal. So to me, that Cohen was actually proving to everybody who was listening, well, actually, Trump didn't. I might have committed a crime, Michael Cohen. Maybe I knew it was illegal. I don't see why it's illegal because the logic of it being illegal would mean that, no, no, the way to pay off a girlfriend is you have to take it from campaign contributions. So, now, that's right. absurd. Imagine if you don't, don't donate money to a campaign and they use that money to pay off 20 different women. You'd be like, I'll... I want to sue this guy. I didn't give money for him. So I think it's it's absurd. You can't you can't have it both ways. One of them has to be the right way to handle it. I can't believe that the right way to handle it is to collect donations and pay it off. But leaving that aside, I believe the law does require intention. And if the lawyers and this was the day this came out, I emailed my friends. I said the one question I would want to ask Michael Cohen is, did you tell Donald Trump there was a legal problem here? So you're saying, did Michael Cohen tell Donald Trump there was a legal problem? Cohen told us that he didn't. He says he just told us to go and figure it out. Right. They were told to go figure it out. And they told him what to do. And yes, they told him what to do. But the level of ignorance that Donald Trump would have to have. How could it be? Is more we than, we we're not even sure it's a crime. How could right. Donald Trump. Possibly so now think? that's the part where you and I agree, which yeah. is I believe early on and many people disagree with me. I don't think either Michael Cohen, the lawyer or Donald Trump knew that paying off a porn star in order to influence the election would be construed as an unlawful payment or contribution to the campaign. But I mean, I the mean they, they would have at least Googled it. No, no you can't. Like, <laughs> they wouldn't okay, hot I, I imagine, would... imagine you're on the jury, yeah. and I say to you, number one, for you to believe the state's case, you have to believe that the right way to do this is that if you want to pay off your girlfriend, you have to take contributions from little old ladies to do it. Number two, you have to believe that Donald Trump knew that this was illegal, even though 
the five experts I just brought up, including a, a former commissioner from the FEC, will yeah. tell you, no, m many of the most informed people in the country don't think it's illegal. And three, you, you know that his lawyer actually never even mentioned to him that there's a legal problem. Now convict him. No way. No way. Never. Never going to get convicted. Does it matter Not that, a he, crime. that he paid him because they stressed that too much after he became president? Does yes, matter? here's why. Here's the theory of liability here. So it matters. Well, first I'll talk about the impeachability of it because. But you let him off the hook. Who he, me? Oh, <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm making I'm making a no, fair no, case. You're, you're, you're making a great. Uh, okay. We'll come you're, back to it. I just want. I, yeah, I, I need that affirmation. Then go ahead. No, no. It's, it's, <laughs> no, you're absolutely. It's a, a very good point, and it's the theory that if Donald Trump is ignorant enough, he can just order these guys. Hey, make it so. Like Tell me Commander what to do. Picard, like Captain Picard. Make this happen. Uh, I want this person to go away. You figure it out, but you, the, the assumption is that you're going to figure out a legal and safe way to do that. And that's what I, it's malpractice if you don't. Donald Trump could sue his lawyers. And under that oh, really? theory, also Alan Maselberg, Alan Weisselberg, Goldberg, Iceberg, Alan Something Jewish. Yeah, go ahead. Under the same theory as his accountant or finance manager, but it the problem is the challenge with that theory is that it does require a degree of ignorance by Donald Trump. I'm not saying. That it would be the, the guy it, that on your show on your network they say can't even read. Well, he can't. Well, no, no. The why the funny thing is we're not too far apart because I think it was reasonable. I think eight months ago yeah. for most of Americans to not be aware that a, a payment like that the benefit. Remember, the benefit was the payment to the porn star and the fact that she did not tell her story had a value which was considered a campaign contribution. That is a convoluted way of looking at a campaign contribution. But nonetheless, part of that question was answered last fall or the end of summer when Michael Cohen pleaded guilty. And do I think Michael Cohen believed that what he did was wrong? No. But in order to plead guilty, once he pleads guilty, he puts facts on the record. He has to put sufficient facts for a judge to find that he did what he did. And once he did that, whether or not Trump or Cohen knew what they did was wrong. Ignorance of the law is not a defense. No, this law requires intent. It does require intent. But if they don't know that it, it you're right. So let's, but I think you can throw out whether or not they actually knew. I think the question is whether or not they reasonably knew that they were violating the law. And I think that with Michael Cohen pleading guilty and the DOJ taking the position that Donald Trump ordered this, the only real hazy area left is the, like you said, did did Donald Trump intend to commit that crime? And I think that's the only I don't hazy believe area it was, left. I don't believe it's even a crime. I Because, because listen, I, I mean, I keep going back to it. It is not reasonable to think that you're supposed to raise money from campaign contributions to pay off, to paint your yeah. house to look better Doesn't election time, sense, to yeah. get to cap your teeth to look better for an election, to pay off your girlfriend. There's all kinds of things you do with an eye towards the fact that you're running for office, which are personal. When you say that, I think you're saying that it would have been expected that Donald Trump used his own money to of pay. Of course. Right, that's, what, I, right. Yeah, that's yeah. what anybody, and that's what he in fact did. He did use his own money, as we all learned today. So where's the crime? The crime is twofold. It's paying off and benefiting the campaign. And it's secondly, believe it or not, not reporting the contribution. In fact, a it's candidate- It's not a contribution. A candidate, well, they, it, see, 
I'm and, not the one and, making that determination. Well, the DOJ is making yeah, that determination. And, and as, just to add everything into it, and, and uh, Cohen said this today, which also helped Trump, is that they have a whole series of catch and kills. So this isn't even something they did for the first time because of an election. It's the way they typically handle these eruptions, the bimbo eruptions, as you say, for Clinton. You're absolutely right. And believe me, a path to, to innocence, a path to a, an acquittal or a not guilty on the uh, campaign finance violation is the more that the donations were made because of personal embarrassment or to keep his wife from finding That's out what they're saying, and yeah. not related to the campaign – that is better for Trump. And today was a win on that front for Trump in that Michael Cohen repeatedly said that this is something we did a lot. This is something that was done to pay off women for personal reasons, uh, arguably so his wife wouldn't find out. The more the He said, the I, spoke, meter, I feel so bad I had to lie to Melania on the phone. It's one of my there, biggest there. regrets. That said. sounds like a campaign contribution. Right. So you're, you're absolutely right. Those were parts that I thought yeah. weighed in Donald Trump's favor. The problem for Donald Trump isn't is more what the DOJ's position on what he's done so far is. And that is, and here are your fence posts, that Donald Trump, that Michael Cohen committed a crime. We know that he committed a crime because he's been convicted of campaign finance law violations. This is the greatest threat to Donald Trump. Whether or not we agree, it's a hazy crime. But what we also know is the DOJ takes the position that Donald Trump was complicit and probably directed that crime. At least that's what they said in their filings. So now going forward, that is the basis for impeachment. Now, you just asked, what is the significance of that check coming after he became the president? Yeah. Well, for, first from an impeachable uh, uh, perspective, impeachment is an interesting concept because in the entire history of our country, there have been about 15 to 18 impeachments total, mostly federal judges, a couple presidents that we know of, right? So uh, what is an impeachable offense? Well, it's called high crimes and misdemeanors, but that's very misleading because the framers didn't have felonies and misdemeanors. Uh -huh. High crimes and misdemeanors was understood to mean official misconduct, abuse of the office. So arguably, a drunken bar fight might not be an impeachable offense, right? So right. not all crimes are impeachable and not all uh, – it doesn't have to be a crime to be an impeachable offense. So – so you couldn't uh, impeach me when I worked for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the key is, is what Donald Trump did an abuse of his official power? Well, things that happen before you take office are not anything you did while you were in office. Okay. So you can't under under the rules of the space time continuum. It arguably can't be an impeachable offense. Now, there are scholars who say otherwise. I personally believe that if it happened before you were ever in any office, it's not an abuse of the office. But. If Donald Trump was writing checks after he was in office, he's continuing that crime, and we're assuming for the moment it's a crime, uh, then if he's continuing that crime, he's abusing the office while he's in office, and that becomes a more impeachable offense. That's the significance. Yeah. I, I think if we're honest or – I don't know. I mean it reminds me of like the Clinton thing. Like people need to be, uh, be able to separate the fact that they don't like Donald Trump – and that's really what's a, it's bias. I mean, this is politicizing. You have a law here, which even the, the nation's experts can't agree that what he did was illegal. Number one. Number two. This I don't know if this matters from a legal point of view, but juries consider this. He did it because he's being extorted. He didn't do it because he's trying to abuse the office in some way. Mm -hmm. So it's not like 
I mean, Bill Clinton lied under oath. Why? To cover up the fact that he sexually assaulted Paula Jones. It is a bad reason for lying under oath. Donald Trump writes a check to reimburse this dude for something which may or may not be legal because he's getting hit up by a woman who now sees her leverage increase because he's uh, running for, for president. And remember, this happened in the past with John Edwards, a Democratic cre- and they candidate yeah. for president. Yeah. Yeah. And they were yeah. unable to secure a conviction. And in that case, similar facts. You had uh, Riel Hunter, who was his, I believe, his photographer on the campaign. She became pregnant and through intermediaries, he apparently had her paid off and uh, money somehow found its way to her. Very similar crime. They could not get a conviction. They could not convict John Edwards on it. And so until last summer, I thought uh, everybody's talking about campaign finance law violations. But I mean, the lesson of John Edwards is, will we ever see a conviction for campaign finance law violations again? And the answer, I was very surprised last summer or the end of summer when Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to that crime. I almost thought it was something that the U.S. Attorney's Office wouldn't even care about. But isn't it, you plead guilty to this and we won't throw the book at you for these other things that we, we might have you on? Isn't that the way it works? Yes. So, yes. So it, what does that really tell us? Then? So what you're saying, I think what you're saying is that people plead guilty to get out of uh, more so serious crimes. the lesser yeah, charge. On the dice. For whatever right. else he yeah. might. Right. That is, that is true. But what they have you do, and as a defense attorney, I've sat through a, a great number of these, that you stand in court and they recite the facts and under oath, you have to put a factual basis on the record that you committed those crimes under oath. And oftentimes I've had plea, uh, guilty pleas break down because no matter how much you explain it to a client, they get in court and there's this recitation of the facts that part of them, I mean, they all right, maybe I agree with half of them or 60% of them, but some of this I just don't agree with. And in order to get out of here with my deal, I have to plead guilty. And you can see, I mean, at their core, there's parts of it. Well, I mean, do we blow up the plea deal because he said blue shirt and I was wearing a red shirt or I don't fully agree with this? And, and it is a very frustrating thing. But but defendants who want to take a plea deal have to plead guilty and put a factual basis on the record and say, I did this. And after that, it's put to bed. It's right. no longer disputable. But But this is but you know this, that. Whatever he did does not bear on Donald Trump and Donald Trump said, I don't care if he what he admitted to or what he thinks he did. I didn't do anything. I asked my lawyer, can I pay this woman off? He said, yes. I said, how should I do it? This is what he told me to do. I did what he told me to do. What the hell kind of country? What kind of kangaroo court is this? That makes sense. You know, and, and by the way, as I said, and this and this former commissioner, you know who I'm talking about. I can't think of his name. Wrote an article saying that he doesn't think it's a crime. And he's one of the few experts walking around on planet Earth. I, I think it's if heavy, he, if heavy. If I hire a lawyer, I would, he, he's my legal advisor, right? So legally, right. Yeah, yeah, am yeah. I responsible? You, you can use as a defense that you relied on the advice of an attorney. Yeah. But especially in the this reality crime, is, especially. right, the reality is most crimes, ignorance of the law is not a defense. So... Strangely, even relying on the advice of your attorney will not. So, for example, if a, some attorney like Michael Cohen, who was not a particularly good attorney, told you it's perfectly legal to drink and drive and you went out and drank and drove and got arrested, mm. that would not be a defense relying on that attorney's But uh, this advice. crime does require you to have intention. And it also, I think, separates that if this was something that you would have done in the ordinary course of life, essentially personal, that that also is a defense. It has to be exclude like printing up flyers for a campaign. It has to be something that would only have been done 
Right. You're but talking, for the campaign. Right. You're talking about the, the test of what degree of, of, um, of intent goes. So if you think of intent as a basket, sometimes, or you, actually, the, really, the word is motive. So you say, well, if you're the if you're the mayor and somebody a contractor comes to you and says, "Hey, I'm going to give you a few bucks if you give me a, a lucrative contract." Well, you can't defend it by saying, "Well, I gave him the contract 10% because he gave me money, but 90% because I think he's a good contractor." Mm-hmm. Right? Motive in that sense can matter it, it is when it goes to intent. In other words, how much, you know, you can't defend it, it has to be how much of was the money was to pay somebody off what was the intent behind it what you can divvy that intent up sometimes you know how much of it was for an improper motive and how much of it was for a proper motive because sometimes we have mixed motives in what we do so what are we supposed to believe that if he wasn't running for president and stormy daniels came forward and said i want 100 grand he would tell michael cohen no no let her tell melania i don't care i mean no he would have paid her off anyway i think it's clear I mean, it becomes doubly urgent because you're running for president or you want to you don't want to take any chances or whatever it is. All right, let's move on to the other thing. So that, okay. was, that was the uh, yeah, campaign I want, I want finance. to ask one, one thing about, not particularly that part, but he paid, you know, um, uh, what's her name? Stormy Daniels, right? Right. And she signed that she's not going to talk. And she still talked. Is that legal? The Stormy Daniels case is a really interesting one because the entire lawsuit that Michael Avenatti brought, or the multiple lawsuits, really revolve around her being able to get out of her uh, non-disclosure agreement. The original argument is that the non-disclosure agreement's invalid because it wasn't signed, and there were all these different arguments. But the bottom line is, the non-disclosure agreement really doesn't ha- no longer has any teeth. Number one, Stormy Daniels has already told her story. There's really nothing left for us to not know about the Stormy Daniels story. Number two is there's no way Donald Trump would ever sue her for breach of the non-disclosure agreement because to do so would mean he would have to say, hey, I knew about this and I'm a party to this and I want to I want to sue yeah. you. And part two is if you engage in a civil lawsuit, you expose yourself to discovery. Yeah. And that means that you have to sit for a deposition. So it, Donald Trump is one of those people that wants to avoid depositions, not mm-hmm. sit for more depositions. So the while. Any, any argument that Stormy Daniels is in breach of her non-disclosure agreement is really at this point academic because she's already breached it and nobody's ever going to sue her anyway. And I, as I remember, it had some penalty clause that was just so ridiculous that, uh, that I don't think any court at this point would uphold it. But the two main reasons are nobody would ever sue her on it because mm-hmm. she, she, would, she would have depositions and discovery done and that would be very, very bad for Trump. Right, so what do we learn about Russia? So... Yeah, Cohen says um, Donald Trump never thought he would win the presidency. That's very interesting. He didn't even want to win. He desire. He didn't even desire to win the presidency, which was a stupid thing for Cohen to to say. I thought because then it undercut all the arguments that he's making about Donald Trump did all this stuff because he was desperate to win. Well, if you don't, they can't both be true. You can't not desire to win. And then at the same time, do anything to win. I don't know that Michael Cohen said he didn't want to win, but I think he said Michael the word Cohen desire. said he, he was. He said desire. Desire he, was the was the word. Uh, he said he didn't didn't expect, think. He didn't think or didn't desire. Expect, no, didn't or expect. desire. We have known for a long time. Yeah, we can look it since up. the Maybe book uh, the since uh, since the book that came out last fall. Steel that, book, not the steel book. The um, oh, maybe it was the steel book. Yeah, that. 
Trump did not expect, Trump and his team did not expect to win. So yeah, this is something Truman. that's been batting around for a while. They didn't expect to win. They were surprised to win. And in a way, to me, that made a lot of Cohen's testimony a little more credible because I think it was, I think that part was actually good for Trump because if you paint Trump as somebody who never thought he would be a public official, then all of this activity that he was engaged in, oh, this is just private activity. There's nothing illegal about this payment as usual. if it doesn't have anything to do with a, a presidential campaign. And if I don't win, there's no way anyone's ever, ever going to find some, out so, about it. Or somebody was saying that uh, that because he didn't expect to win, then he was paying Stormy Daniels just so his wife doesn't know. Has nothing <laughs> yeah, to do yeah, with the yeah. president. And that makes it that makes it we go back to dividing up motive. If yeah. the motive was primarily just so wife doesn't find out about it, then it's a stronger case for Trump. If the motive was primarily the election, same payment, same activity, same conduct, uh, then that leans towards a violation of the law. Okay. But there's there's evidence that it could have just been to avoid Melania finding out. And all of Cohen's testimony today that he didn't think he would win, didn't expect to win, maybe didn't want to win. That tended, I think, to help Trump. Because so I, I think the, I think everything helped Trump. So just, so then Colin says, "What happened? What happened with the uh, towers? Towers, yeah. We never even were able to get a parcel of land. Now, I mean, talk about the stuff we were hearing on CNN, and uh, I mean, they never. And so Colin's lie was, we said it ended in January, but it really ended in April." What ended in April? Really nothing. Probably it's, you know, a time till the, the letter of intent is canceled or something because they never got off square one. There never even was a parcel of land. Did Trump advise, tr Trump tell you to lie? No. No. Uh, he said he, no. He, he did not yeah. tell me to lie. But, it, uh, and then, well, what about um, the emails? Well, I was there when Roger Stone called yeah. him up. Was he working for Trump? No, he's a free agent. That's right. I was there when Roger Stone called, and, and Roger Stone says, I heard that WikiLeaks is going to release... Did you say Hillary's emails? It wasn't even Hillary's emails that were released, but Hillary's emails in two days. And Trump says, oh, that'll be good. This, the, this, uh, I uh, thought the amazing, all right, like I said, you like, and I are, are in but agreement, wait, but, but the thing that kills me is that a year and a half ago on Morning Jones, we were hearing that Trump was a Soviet spy. Yeah. And now we're reduced to trying to catch him on the fact that an ex-girlfriend hit him up for money and we're reacting to it like we're really outraged about this. When what we should be outraged about, I believe, unless unless, unless there's other facts that Mueller's going to come out with, which makes what I'm saying absolutely wrong. But just based on what we know now, the universe of what we know now, that the country's been put through this meat grinder for two years. Two years for what? What was the probable cause for all this? I thought the Roger Stone testimony was uh, good for Trump, and here's why. What we learned from Michael Cohen about Roger Stone is that he's somebody who called, Trump put him on speakerphone, and Stone reported that WikiLeaks was going to do a dump of information that was harmful to Hillary. Now, that by the way, who puts on speakerphone your, your, your partner in a major espionage uh -huh. crime by the treason? You know, just, just right. the fact that he put him on speakerphone, he wasn't even worried about what was going to come out of his right. mouth. Right, right. That is, <laughs> that is interesting. You know, all these sensitive conversations. I, I mean, maybe he's not into headsets, but he just he decides <laughs> to put everything on speakerphone in his, house, in his uh, office. Uh, but the thing that I found that was, um, that was good for Trump in the Roger Stone testimony is, is that, first, even Cohen couldn't say that Trump ordered Stone to do anything. He didn't say to Stone, go get me those emails. He responded, and I think I'm remembering the quote was, 
uh, that'd be great or something like yeah. that. If, if it happens. If it great. happens, that would be great. And, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. Trump has a way of speaking that is so noncommittal. Even in that moment, he says, if it ha he puts a conditional on it. If that happens, that would be fantastic. Uh, but for two reasons, I thought that was that was exonerated Trump. Number one, he didn't appear to order Roger Stone to do anything. And the important thing is that mere knowledge, mere presence at a crime, mere happiness that a crime is going to take place is not a crime. And I always point to the last episode of Seinfeld where they all get charged for watching a crime take place and not reporting it to the police. That doesn't really exist. Yeah. That's not what a Good Samaritan <laughs> statute is. In America, you're free to walk by a crime, no matter how heinous, and do nothing about it, do nothing to help, not call the police. Uh, you're not required to report a crime. So on that point, uh, Roger Stone, no matter even if he was somehow engaging in criminal conduct, Trump's mere knowledge of it might not be enough to be a crime. Of course, if you do any encouragement, any help, any advice, any direction, now we get into crime land. But, but Stone wasn't involved in the crime either. But, and Noam, you, I was just getting oh, to sorry, it. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, no, <laughs> I was just getting to it. The amazing thing is Roger Stone was not charged with a crime in connection with any of his WikiLeaks communications. When he was indicted, the indictment lays out in great detail all of Roger Stone's yeah. contacts with WikiLeaks and what he did with WikiLeaks and who he communicated with. Roger Stone was not charged with a crime for anything to do with WikiLeaks, Roger Stone was only charged with lying crimes, obstruction yeah. crimes, lying about what he did. And the lesson about obstruction is that uh, even if what you did, the underlying conduct, was not a crime, if you lie to FBI agents about it, that becomes That's a crime. Right. It becomes a felony. Yeah. So I thought the Roger Stone testimony was actually exonerating uh, to Trump. And I'm, not su I'm surprised that he hasn't already seized on that because— the whole Roger Stone angle that is supposed to be so chilling is just that Roger Stone was hearing word that there was going to be a data dump and Donald Trump was conditionally happy about it. And I don't... And WikiLeaks, uh... Isn't it laughable? I'm, how are these people, these famous experts, who the Jeffrey Tubins, these, these fucking pompous assholes, are, when are they going to say, Jesus Christ, what, how did we all buy into this Armageddon thing? Yeah. The, 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 this is the entire nation got to find out today that when Roger Stone called Trump, Trump said, oh, that'll be kind of good. Like, this is what we spent two years to find. We got him. He said it'll be good. Well, a couple other two examples. days from now, by the way, not he didn't right. I mean, not he didn't know about it. two days before it was released. And by the way, rumors were already swirling around in the media that these emails were going to come out. And that, WikiLeaks right, denied it, by the way, today. WikiLeaks denied that uh, Stone knew anything. Now, the other amazing thing is Stone came out and gave it and yeah. made a statement and said As that well, what yeah. Michael Cohen said is a lie. was a lie, which is interesting because it wasn't all that bad. In, in all of Roger Stone's problems he has right now, what Michael Cohen said about him wasn't even all that bad. It was that yeah. I'm hearing that WikiLeaks is going to dump all these emails. So whatever Roger Stone disputes, assuming it doesn't get him in trouble with the judge again, uh, I, I didn't think it was even all that damaging in the grand scheme of damaging information that Cohen uh, tried to lay out today. If I had been a Republican, I would have asked Roger Stone, um, do you think the president's suffering from uh, Alzheimer's? Is he having cognitive decline? Uh, is, can the president read? Because you know he's going to say no to all those things. I mean, do I have to be um, a partisan... Republican or Democrat, which I, to to not 
look at what's gone on the last two years. Hey, what the fuck have they been selling us? We heard the president was senile. We heard he couldn't read. We heard he's a criminal. We heard he's a Soviet spot. Two years. What? Show me what what have you all been talking about? What is the the most damning piece of evidence we have? Oh, and by the way, the Steele dossier. Oh, no, I wasn't in Prague. So that's pretty damning of the Steele dossier. And McClatchy, they pinged his phone. No, I mean, none of it. And then all of a sudden you begin to believe, you know, maybe all this FBI stuff, maybe there's something to this. Because how do all these really smart people, uh, I mean, they what, what did they think made this all worthwhile? What did they know? When it comes to Michael Cohen, remember today's. I'm talking about Comey, was, McCabe. You're talking about the whole Strzok, page. All how the fuck did we get dragged into this as a nation? What was the one? Just give me the one, Mike, under, one underlying fact which said, "Uh oh, this looks bad." The, we, fi the firing of James Comey is what is what set it off, and I, the reason for that is, and I know you're that's going not to a disagree reason for with a prosecutor. It. So, well, that's the reason for the prosecutor. Right. And the idea was that um, is Trump firing Comey in order to obstruct justice of the yeah, investigation I, I, I into Russia? It. Especially if you believe if you have the Steele dossier, which right. is which is polluting your mind and you believe, well, yeah. you think it's true, then you can see that in the context of what it is. But a decent person would say, you know what, now that it looks like the Steele dossier is bullshit. Discredited. Then we have to be honest here. Everything that came out of it was a distortion and a distortion of perception. And we should drop this whole thing. Again, unless there's something we, we don't know. But 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 I mean you you put another way, there's no way without if that still dossier had never existed that they would have been in the mind of thinking that Trump was involved with Russia, even if he fired Comey. There's no way. That that was couldn't be unseen, couldn't be unknown. And it I think it affected everything. Now, whether or not they should have gone before a FISA court and all that stuff, I don't know. But the fact is, if that dossier was bullshit, then what, what are we doing here? So, somebody, who's going to be accountable for all this? I think Derek. Derek's <laughs> going to be accountable for all this. <laughs> I'm ready to take it on. I am. It really bothered me because I was saying very early on, I said, this cure is going to be worse than the disease. I said, if they're going to do this, they need to do it quick because I remembered that I was against the fact that Paula Jones was even allowed to sue Bill Clinton at the time. And, of course, the Supreme Court upheld that. That may have been one of the most weighty Supreme Court decisions that we're still feeling yeah. the vibrations from today. And I thought it was wrong at the time. Right. I mean, what you're talking about is immunity while somebody is in office. And I think I, I would agree that the Paula Jones decision, I don't know that the Supreme Court realized the effect it would have, that if you expose a president to civil or any kind of suit while they're in office, then you have to take the good with the bad. That means that anyone who can come up with a cognizable claim against the president that originated sometime before they took office can bog the president down. And we saw that with Clinton, is that ultimately what got him impeached really was kind of attenuated from the Paula Jones case itself. It was, it was like a his deposition. Stormy Daniels. It was his version of Stormy Daniels. And a worse version. And people thought it was ridiculous at the time. The same people who were outraged by Stormy Daniels. That's, That's what, right. That really galls me. I mean, the same people who were dismissing Bill Clinton doing something pretty bad to cover up something even worse are, are, are pretending to be outraged that Trump yeah. paid off someone who was extorting him. Yeah, and I was like, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. Like, what, are you that biased? Like, where is, where is a, a reasonable person? Listen, I hate Trump. I think he's the worst president we ever had. But you know, I'm not going to buy into that. 
I remember how I felt during Bill Clinton. You're not going to make a hypocrite out of me. Well, the important thing is if you're anti-Trump or you were anti-Clinton or whatever the case may be, you're right in that not liking the party in power is not a good enough reason to undo a national election with impeachment. And that is something that we have to be mindful of, that even if you even if you really hate Donald Trump, there has to be an impeachable offense or a real reason to remove him because And this is something our framers talked about, undoing a national election, the only election that we all participate in, as it's the only one that all citizens participate in nationally. Uh, Undoing that, it has to be a weighty thing. It can't just be because you don't like them. That's what elections are for. So uh, I agree with you that, uh, you know, I think you'll find that we're not too far apart on some of these items. I don't think we're far apart. Did uh, did he say anything in the testimony today that could hurt Trump legally? uh, Yes. Because, and I go back to the fact that uh, Michael Cohen's already uh, pleaded guilty to a crime, and he's implicated Donald Trump in directing that crime. If the DOJ believes that he committed that crime, which we know that he did, and that was fleshed out today by checks and signatures and everything, then really all that's left, just given the, the, um, the, uh, the DOJ's and the Office of the Special Counsel's uh, prosecuting to date, I think the only reason that Donald Trump has not been prosecuted is because of the DOJ's policy against uh, prosecuting a sitting president. Now, Mm -hmm. does that mean that they will prosecute him on the first day that he leaves the office? That depends on, number one, whether I'm right, whether I think the DOJ thinks that they've committed that he's committed a crime. And number two, whether they uh, they can get past any statute of limitations issues that expire while he's in office. Uh, and oh, they can do that. By the way, I just popped in my head with with John Edwards. It actually was a contributor who put up the money. It was. Which it was is a, a benefactor of which some is kind. a I can't worse the case, name. which is a worse case. This is Trump putting up his own money. And and. To your point, arguably, if a candidate puts in his own money, that amount is unlimited. It then only becomes a reporting violation. So there's a contribution violation and a reporting violation. Mm -hmm. If anyone other than the candidate gives the money, it can be a contribution violation and a reporting violation. The candidate can give unlimited amounts. So let me ask you this. Let's Let's just really try to be honest here. So let and so it becomes. Even, I can't undo Michael Cohen's conviction. No, I know you're going to no, no, try no, and get no, me to do no. that. So, so it becomes even a more technical violation because it actually what he wanted to accomplish was certainly accomplishable in a totally legal manner if his lawyer had simply told him how to do it. No, Donald, just write the check directly yourself. But she might find out. I will. will fair, but but so it becomes very very technical as opposed mm. to I know I, I'm going to say it because I think it's right, but I don't want to get I don't want to sound like some Fox News crazy as opposed to the Hillary Clinton email violation which was overwhelming i mean overwhelming the stuff that she was doing destroying evidence i mean you know without going through the rehearsing the whole thing and the statute saying that uh recklessness or gross negligence was a standard and then the fbi says well she was extremely careless but not i mean and then we find out now that actually people within the fbi till the very end i mean and yet again the same people who will impeach the president over this extremely technical personal no criminal intent, not trying to hurt anybody, not trying to fuck the country, not trying, nothing. It's a real personal matter. Uh, now, are they look at you like you're crazy. So, you know, they, sh- they should have prosecuted Hillary Clinton. Now, by the way, I, I wasn't totally on board with prosecuting Hillary Clinton either. I thought she committed a crime, and I certainly didn't think she should go to jail for it or anything like that. Well, but, that's, you know, that's the thing that I think has been really lost in the last year is the notion of prosecutorial discretion. And 
with Hillary Clinton, we did it, and with uh, Donald Trump, we're doing it. Not every crime, and even the DOJ's own policy, is that the DOJ can't prosecute every federal crime, especially in the case of federal prosecutors. Federal prosecution and prosecution in general is about discretion. Mm -hmm. Law enforcement is is an entity of limited resources. They can't prosecute every single crime. That's why there is speeding. That's why, I mean, we've all sped while we've we've driven a car. We've all committed crimes that we haven't been prosecuted for. I, I think, and Say that again. let's assume low-level <laughs> crimes, you know, like low-level crimes, speeding, things like that. Um, but we've, but uh, the reality is that when you hyper-focus on someone like Hillary Clinton, you can find a crime if you look hard enough, and then it becomes about prosecutorial discretion. No, she, sometimes she did it was bad. She knew, to, you know, the IG report came out, and it said that they told her, not to do anymore. And then people were told, don't talk about that anymore. I mean, it was on their radar. That whole thing stunk to high heaven. The reason I don't think she sh- should have gone to jail is because I don't- discretion. That's what you just said. Well, I, no, you can, she can be convicted of the crime and pay a fine or it, it bothers me that the next secretary of state could come in and do exactly the same thing, arguably, and say, well, they said it wasn't a crime when she did it. So why can't I do it? There were, there were nation secrets going up. It was crazy what she was doing, having an unsecured server in her closet, classified information. That's nuts. But is she unloyal to the United States of America? Absolutely not. And I, this may not even be valid, but I think that we put these people, I'm not sure you can do the business of the United States of America if you know that every single communication you have is going to get out to the public. I'm not sure Roosevelt or any of these presidents could do diplomacy. So I, I am sympathetic to the ur- her urge to want to have an mm. off-the-radar way to communicate in behalf of the United States of America. That is the essence of one of the executive privileges. And it's the idea that it's the balance between our government should be transparent to a degree, but at the same time, if a bunch of folks are in a room be getting real and talking about That's real right. solutions, they're invariably going to say something that isn't politically correct or isn't popular. And we have to have this deliberative process privilege, it's called, to shield people who have these conversations, these frank conversations. Maybe you, you know, similar to a writer's room at a, uh, at a TV show. You want to be able to throw out any crazy idea out there and not get in trouble, uh, whatever that crazy idea may be. So uh, I, I understand that wanting to keep the deliberative process secret. Uh, but yeah, I agree. There were, there were some, Hillary had some challenges as well. You're bringing us back, bringing us back a couple of years. And that's what I, I think the way Comey handled it. It's interesting because everything rela- relates back to that in a way, because it was Comey's handling of it that Trump used as a basis, he said, uh, for firing Comey. And that's what led to the genesis of this investigation. I'm going to tell you why he fired Comey. And it was reported by Maggie Haberman in the New York Times. You can check it. Comey was testifying before Congress and he said, it makes me, I get sick to my stomach or I get nauseous when I think that I might be responsible for Donald Trump winning the presidency or something, remember, or something worse than that effect. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And everything we know about Donald Trump. And I, and I said to, I think it was Stephen Calabria at the time. I said, "Uh uh-oh, when I heard Uh Comey say that, I mean, Trump was, I'm sure looked at it, get this fucking guy out of here. I mean, he's going to investigate me. 
and he's going to find me innocent and he'll do for me what he did for Hillary Clinton when he found her innocent? Like, why would he want this guy once he hears? But that why th- invite him to dinner and ask him for his his undying loyalty over over now, dinner at the White House? I think that's, that's what he, he does. thinks about everything. Look at yeah. look, look, yeah, yeah. look how uh, Cohen was talking about Trump and loyalty. Yeah. That's that's his that's the way he views everything. He cast him as like a mob boss. He, like the way that he was talking about like the threats against his family and how he was scared for his life and everything and made him sound like, like Trump is like this mafia guy. Okay. Although, Comey, I mean, Cohen did say that Trump wouldn't ever physically hurt anyone, but he might have other people do it for him. That's what he said today. He might have other people who already work there do that kind of thing for him. Listen, there are a lot of things that weren't said today. I, I thought that... The way this was sold was that it would be chilling, the things we would hear. When I saw that included in the greatest hits of Trump offenses were that he orchestrated a painting of himself to be bid upon last and be the most expensive painting. It wasn't any criminality that jumped out at me. It was the cartoonishness of it that that somebody would do that. And a lot of what Cohen said. And we knew that story already anyway. That was that came out. uh, Yeah, I I hadn't known the. That that le- I've known that level of detail, but yeah. that he orchestrated through a payment of and there yeah, may I didn't be know that, that he the, orchestrated. Yeah, there, yeah, there may be issues with his uh, his five hundred one c three or his charitable corporation, but whatever those are, were dwarfed by the idea that somebody would orchestrate a Trump painting to be the most valuable painting, and then I think the to take it to another layer to believe that everyone else would believe that the painting of Trump would be the most valuable painting. I mean, what if there was a what if there was a Picasso in that, in that <laughs> yeah. like the painting of Trump was the most valuable painting and then everybody goes home and says, "Wow, he must be amazing." We were told our president was John Heilman was talking about the, the president is a Russian spy. Mika Brzezinski was talking this way. It, it, I mean, I it's really it bothers me. And by the way, just to go back just so people know when Bill Clinton, they say that Bill Clinton, Christopher Hitchens said that Bill Clinton was so taken up with the Monica Lewinsky thing that he bombed Sudan. And they say right. that he- That, that he, was the wag the dog moment. Yeah, and that he took yeah. his eyes off Al-Qaeda. So, and this is and this is the risk. Like, I know, I remember my father was under a tax audit one time. And it was like, took six months. He literally could not, and you know my father, yeah. he, he, he was doing a million things. He could not function. Until that audit was off his mind, he he barely could could lift a finger for work, anything. And I say when you when you put a president in in that kind of situation, we need him to run the country. It cannot be done lightly. It's got you got to have a real basis, and it's got to be serious. And certainly, the president being a traitor to Russia is serious enough to do it. But then, if it turns out that this this wasn't real. It's quite serious. Quite serious. The exact justification is behind the Paula Jones, at least the the idea behind the president being immune and not being able to prosecute a president, because the president is the only person in the entire government that if you arrest him and you prosecute him, you arrest the entire executive branch. There's no one else in any other branch. A lot of people say when I say this, well, wait, if you arrested the president, the vice president would step in. No, that's not how it works. The only time the vice president comes in is if the president dies or he's removed. Yeah. If you arrest a president and put him in uh, a metropolitan detention center, he's still the president in the detention center. He's still the president in jail. So that's why uh, the framers uh, took the view that the president can't be prosecuted while he's in office. And similarly, for the same reason, they don't want him to be distracted by 
civil suits or prosecutions or things like that. What Paula Jones, that case decided was that, no, sometimes it is appropriate for the president to have to deal with a civil case. And for some reason, as long as it happens before he's in the presidency, it's acceptable. But what that did do was open a door. And now we're having very real discussions about might the DOJ just uh, do away with their policy and actually prosecute a sitting president? And it's like Noam says, if all of this does end up being nothing, then the very fear that everybody had about prosecuting a president isn't so much that you'll convict them, but that his mind will be taken off running the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, well, I think it's very serious. So let's talk about the, the part that came out, which I think was actually the worst part. And I'm grappling with it because I believe Cohen was, was credible that the, the racial things that Donald Trump said. Right. That he is But racist. again, yeah. yes, but yes and no. I thought that was the most damaging. I thought it led to a very odd uh, uh, back and forth with Congress people during which you could see Cohen looking back and yeah. forth between the panels of the TV show, uh, just wondering, does this have anything to do with me? As two Congress people fought over who called, who uh, may have called whom a, ra- a racist. Uh, I thought those were... Very damaging to Trump politically. I thought it was interesting because it could be said that it was gratuitous. I mean, in the sense that Michael Cohen's uh, Michael Cohen's chief purpose there was to talk about uh, uh, you know four different areas, and he volunteered all of this racism. Why did he do that? I mean, but it certainly is relevant and it's interesting and i think people want to know about it i thought about that i'll let you finish i thought but, i had that same thought that you but did but my thought was that you know at, at times i thought michael cohen appeared honest because he had an opportunity he had clear opportunities where he could have made things up and made trump look worse but he he didn't do that at the same time i i hate using the word gratuitous but the goal of today was not is donald trump a racist it may be is he a con man it may be is he a criminal but I thought that was a very interesting, and I think I, I have to believe it was a political decision uh, to to bring up the specter of race. Donald Trump may, in fact, be a racist. I, I, I really don't know. If Michael Cohen's telling the truth. It sure sounds like he is, if that's true. Yeah. But it wasn't one of the original goals of today's testimony, as far as I know. So I have to wonder at, at how it became such a central feature of today's testimony. I think I think it's to Noam's point about why all this stuff is going on is that they just don't like him and that they keep pushing this narrative about it because they want to paint him as a racist, which he might be or whatever. And it's just like we're going to keep I don't pushing think this shit. I don't you don't think, think he's racist? No, I don't think well, so. I mean, so, so, well, so I think that well, I was thinking, I said, why are they doing this? And my first thought was that it makes it much harder for the Republicans to defend the president when it's just been exposed that he said these ugly things about black people. So it kind of puts, throw them back on their heels a little bit. And then, and then also it's catnip. I hate to say it. Talk like this is catnip to the people who he needs to ingratiate himself to now, which is the people who hate Donald Trump. So, you know, those, those would be the reasons that he would say it. And, and it is gratuitous in a sense that if it was a trial, you, you would say, your honor, I object. It's irrelevant. That's right. That's right. Um, you might. It has nothing to do with with that. Having said that, the the what he the quote was uh, he, he, in the blackness like who, who no who nobody would live like this except black people, which is very ugly. Very ugly. Yeah. And, and then he said um, this. I thought Cohen actually was pushing it here. He said that Donald Trump said to me, "Name one president with a, name one country with a black president that's not a shithole." 
And he said this at a time that Barack Obama was president. And I thought to myself, I don't think he was talking about the United, like, yes, Barack right. Obama, but I don't think that's what he meant, Cole. Right. So again, he was trying to, trying to, you know, give the cat nib. Oh, he said that about Barack Obama. But, but, wait, listen, but, but I, so then, but to be honest, and I, and I think the, the problem with it is that, like, you almost wish that he had it on tape so that maybe it could lead to Trump's resignation because it, it destroys the fabric of America for the nation to think to think that the president said that, even if he didn't yep. say it. It's it's which made me think that Cohen was not being patriotic in a sense when he said it because it, nothing no good is going to come of it. Like maybe wait till the election time, right? When he's up for real, you know, to 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 get him out of office. But right now we have another two years of this. Why? What are you doing here? You're throwing a bomb, right? What's your end game here? And and you use the word bomb, and that is very appropriate because one of the things implicit in those stories that Michael Cohen tells about Donald Trump supposedly saying these horribly racist things is that unspoken is the fact that. What did you do when he said those That's things? Right. Did you shake your head? Did you say tisk tisk? Did you say please stop saying? Why did these he think it was things? okay to say it to you? I mean, I yeah. seriously doubt Michael Cohen did anything other than not approvingly or laugh or Absolutely. laugh at the joke or whatever the case may be. And there's, it's just impossible that he did anything else. In fact, he almost said as much, and yet I continued to work for him. So, you know, when you use the word bomb, that is really appropriate because he it's actually, a bomb that used, damages himself yeah. as well as Trump. He actually used it because he knows I like it. So, like the word. So to get a little deeper on this, so, you know, now, and I went through this in my mind with Ilhan Omar, the thing she said about the, the Jews, and I, I kind of defended her, not I guess I, 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 guess I defended her. I, I defended. I didn't like that they were attacking her with the label of anti-Semitism. You, you defended so, our values. You defended what's not her, but you defended what we should well, be as a country. If, well, not to get sidetracked, but I was saying, well, if she if she can read a Thomas Friedman column where Thomas Friedman says yeah. that the Jews are are controlling American foreign policy with the donations, why can't she say it? Like, I, like Trump I, said it. Well, Trump, there's a video. Of yeah, yeah, but, but, but video, Trump's yeah. meaning was different. But Trump was not criticizing the Jews. But anyway. So, so, and then the word racist, the word racist, I, it might've even started out. It was used to describe like Nazis, you know, putting Jews in ovens. And it's also used now to describe a black man, black taxi driver who doesn't want to pick up a black man to go to Harlem, or maybe someone's opposed to affirmative action or somebody makes a, uh, dresses up like Diana Ross. So it's, it's the word has no clear meaning, no, no clear shade to it. You don't know what it means. So I say, well, the word is not useful to me. What does what do I think Donald Trump was really feeling about black people? What do I think he feels about black people? That's the question. What do I think she feels about Jews? And I and when I started to think that way, I said, well, he was saying to me, sounds very much like what I hear um, progressives in progressives when I hear them talk about like the toothless deplorables in the flyover states. Look how they live. Like, you know, and, and I don't think it's, I think it's exactly that, that he was in an ugly way without empathy and without, and, and that's why it's bigotry because without empathy is dehumanizing and that's the first step to bigotry. But they do it to the deplorables too. Journalists were calling them toothless. He was just commenting in an ugly way on the, on the way the underclass or whatever, how you want it, is living. And... Um, I don't know what that is. I know it says a lot about his character, the way he put it. The way he put it was not the way anybody who cares would put it. 
But does it mean that he's sympathetic to David Duke? Does it mean he thinks it's okay for blacks to be discriminated in employment or housing? Does it mean uh, he, you know, he doesn't want programs to help the help black? I don't know if it means those things. Does it means he think? Does it mean that he thinks that somebody's born inferior because they're black? I don't know. Could it could mm-hmm. mean that? Yeah, I I think when you know it could be as simple as. Donald Trump has an alignment with people you mentioned, like David Duke, because he loves adulation and those people adore him. And but so it talks a, like that. That's what kills him. Sorry, go ahead. What's that? Who, what, how, what, what, what Trump, the way it came out of Trump's mouth, it just, it's just like, who the fuck speaks that ugly? He's, I mean, he, he's vulgar. You mean, how do they live that way? That, just, when just, he said just, that. To, to, but, and this is not unique to his racial comments. He's fucking vulgar. It's, it's like, who would say that? Well, the guy who talks about grabbing pussy might, talk about th- something in that kind of vulgar way or the guy who, who makes fun of the the, the person with who's disabled with the when he's making fun of that disabled reporter might talk or the guy who makes fun of uh carly fiorina's face i mean this is it's all part of it which in this in a weird way is exculpatory of him because you know he saying? trashes everybody <laughs> because yeah. he talks in his ugly horrible right. way about any topic anybody that bothers Car- him. carly fiorina anybody just like you said yeah i mean yeah. anybody is Anyone will get ripped on by him, even if they are. It does. He is. What I think you're saying is that he may mention race just to identify another group of people that he's just just uh, just trashing for whatever reason. But I don't know. I mean, it it was an interesting thing for for Cohen to bring to inject race into the discussion. And I don't think it was accidental. Here's what I here's what I want to ask you about. Numbers. Donald Trump. I mean, uh, Michael Cohen said he was told to threaten people by Trump up to 500 times, and that in, in the course of 10 years, he recorded conversations surreptitiously 100 times over 10 years as a lawyer. Yeah. Mind-blowing. As a lawyer, I've never surreptitiously recorded anybody. Uh, it's, in most states, it's illegal. In New York, it happens to be a one-party one state, party, so you yeah. can do it. And attorney-wise, believe it or not, the rules of ethics actually... Allow it, but caution that it should not be done often or as a habit. And I think this is pretty safely a habit if you're doing it 100 times in 10 years. I mean, as a client, you know, it's chilling, you know, it, especially in New York. Like, you don't want to think your lawyers because it, it's not even will he keep the attorney-client privilege is that somebody could get a hold of the tape. Yeah. Well, that was later on in the same hearing today. One of the Congress uh, congressmen called him out because he offered, yeah, I'll give you all my tapes. And he, he said, wait, did, did your clients sign waivers to let you do this? You're just going to hand these over? And then he backpedals. He says, well, uh, I mean, I guess if I'm allowed. And I actually was sitting on set at NBC, and I thought, well, I guess technically he was disbarred yesterday. <laughs> so he doesn't really have to follow the attorney rules anymore. Is that anymore. true? He was disbarred yesterday. Now, okay, but the privilege belongs to the client, though, right? The privilege belongs to the client, but there is a crime fraud exception to privilege, but none of those clients are alleged to have committed any crimes. So, uh, so yeah, the privilege belongs to the client. You can't turn that stuff over. I think I was interested when they asked him, um, is there any crime that you did not tell us about? You know, and he said, there's plenty. You know, did he say that? Yeah. 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 But he said, there's plenty, but it's, uh, I don't want to be, I, I think it's in uh, Mueller's investigation. It was under investigation. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, right. Oh, I so mean, there's a lot we, we don't know, you know. I thought he didn't beg off. I thought there would be a lot of questions he wouldn't answer today. Yeah. Because anything that's that, remember, for him to be here today testifying, the Mueller team and the Southern District of New York, all those prosecutors had to sign off on it. 
Because if he says anything that compromises an ongoing investigation, that's going to be really bad. So I expected him to get up and not answer questions today uh, more often than he did. He only did that a few times, as far as I saw. So I was very surprised. That must mean that the Mueller team thinks they've gotten everything they need from him. The Southern District of New York thinks they've gotten mostly everything they need from him. And uh, it, that, that, if nothing else, was an indicator to me that, that the Mueller team may be drawing to a close of their investigation. Who, who I don't know if you're allowed to say this kind of thing, who do you, who do you hope wins the Democratic nomination? Oh, I, I have no opinion uh, really no opinion. on who, who, who I hope wins. I just it's a it's a gigantic field right now. Uh, I think what I think is I'll say this. I am surprised that the Democrats that we're actually having a discussion about Bernie Sanders, not only because the I heard people say with Hillary that and, and it, it makes some sense that the Democrats nominated the person who couldn't beat Obama in the primary to try and go up against Trump. With Bernie Sanders, as strong as a candidate, there are plenty of arguments for why Bernie Sanders should have won the primary. But now you have Bernie Sanders who couldn't beat the person in the primary, who couldn't beat Obama in the primary, and it's like history is repeating itself. So I find that really interesting. And again, Bernie Sanders is not Hillary Clinton. He's different. Uh, He almost won. Many people thought he did win the primary, and there were some dirty tricks. But I think it's really interesting that Bernie Sanders is a, is a discussion again. Uh, I just I yeah. I have a feeling. My prediction is this: all these people we're talking about right now, there's going to be some Democrat that's going to come riding out of, or in fact, riding down a golden escalator of their own and surprise everyone, and maybe that will be the uh, the favorite. So, what do you think? Uh, well, so I I think that I, I'm sure someone has said this already, but the other way to look at it would be like Reagan and Ford, where Reagan wasn't able to beat Ford in 76, 72, 76. 76. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but lit that fire and then eventually did win in 80. And, but, and, and that's kind of what Sanders, they started a movement essentially. But right Sanders now. is 77 years old. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. am. Uh, so I'm hoping that Joe Biden. I think comes Joe Biden in. and uh, what's his name? The, the guy for the Senator from Texas will be his vice. Uh, oh, Beto? Yeah. Now, here's they my... Said, they said, yeah, that now, could be a good now, they, I have a very oversimplistic... Again, uh, I can be a little oversimplistic, but the concern that That's people should have with Beto yeah. is that Beto couldn't beat... It couldn't win his Cruz. Senate race. Yeah, but, he, but he, he was... He, he's not running for president. He's running as a vice president. Yeah, so I, that, th- that I, I think together... I, yeah, and also to, to come close... As a Democrat, to beating the Republican in Texas is pretty impressive. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. impressive yeah. with yeah. his it's platform too, because he was very left. He didn't go to the right. center at all. So, right. so since since we have you here, I want to talk about the. Um, wait, wait, let me just finish on Senate. So I am, I uh, am. I mean, I think Trump. Listen, there's a lot of what Trump has done. I mean, I'm happy to have an anti-Semitic president who's the best president that Israel ever had. You know, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, bar none. There's the, they they and and you know, people are so arrogant. Like, you think the Israelis really don't know what's good? They love Donald Trump. Like, oh, they the do. whole, the yeah, whole nation of Israel, they, they can't recognize an anti-Semite because there was some tweet about Tom Steyer and Bloomberg or something. Like, that's what, I mean, they know who's on their side. And the funny part sit. is the Arabs love them too. Yeah, that's, you know, well, they, that, that's yeah. the PLO doesn't love Another them. thing about today, it didn't get a But lot they love news. Israel now too, the Saudis and all the. Yeah, the, yeah but yeah. That today the CIA reported that they have evidence that the king of Saudi Arabia and his son ordered 
the um, the assassination, assassination. Of, uh, and Trump wouldn't said no. The the, the just is <laughs> wrong. Did you see that? Well, no, I didn't see it. So anyway, but no. So I but I think that Trump really needs to go. I think he's it's just it, it it's horrible for the country. But I'm deathly afraid of some left wing crazy person doing real damage. I mean, already like they're. What kind of movement chases Amazon out of New York City? I we mean, don't want you here. Like we're, this is this is crazy, crazy yeah, talk. I, I mean, th- th- we talk about Amazon. The future is going to happen somewhere. It'll happen very nicely and happily in Newark. Like, what does New York think they're doing by chasing? We don't want any of the industries of tomorrow here. It's like Detroit said, no, we don't want your auto. <laughs> Build your factory somewhere else, Henry Ford. It's and this is what Sanders represents. And I don't know if that's worse than Trump or not. And and if there's a crisis in the world, I don't know if it's worse to have a naive dove who supports the dictatorship in Venezuela or a, an unpredictable, crazy person who everybody's kind of on eggshells and is afraid. Like, I don't... This is... You're just... They're both rolling the dice. I think that's why Trump's going to win again. Uh, it could be. Yeah. But a nice throwback to a, to a more... Uh, Sober time, a Joe Biden or something like that, I, it would make me very, very happy. So no, that's all I wanted to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think Joe Biden will will do it. But you know, if not, I'd rather Trump than Sanders. That's how much I I don't think it's uh, even if he paid off his mistress. Yeah, <laughs> who didn't? Yeah, who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> who did? You know, saying is how they're, silly they're, it sounds. Even if he <laughs> even if he wrote a check to Stormy Daniels. You know, it's <laughs> funny. I bet you that each and every president of the United States, especially the the old ones, you know, Washington, all these guys have mistress and they somehow did something but the only way we know everything right now because of the internet and yeah. and all that stuff you know so now you can do the and, good and, old and days. this is why the race thing is so horrible because the rest of it really can go all the way or get forgotten he didn't do it but the race thing how do you how do you vote for a president that has said things like that about uh, you know 13% of the population or about right. any or any percentage of the population it's just that's yeah. not. That's very un-American. To but me. is he racist? Do you think he's racist? Because he said that, like, because I, I, he he've done a lot to you know black people. He's yeah. That's what, that's why I say I, I'm finding the word more and more un un unuseful in terms of imparting a a meaning that three different people hear the sentence and would take away the same meaning of what somebody just said. If I call yeah. somebody right, right. what do you think it was? What do you think? What do you think it means? But what I think is that he, ha- if if he was saying that about Jews or about Arabs, we'd all be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know. And um, yeah. and and a president just can't a president can't talk like that. He can't, and it, it's 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 distur- it disturbs me a lot. Do you think Hillary's yeah. going to run again? Even if he's not a racist, a president. Hillary? I, I no. don't think so. I I don't think she can. I don't think she can do it. I I would be. Surprised she wants to. I'm sure. Would. I'm sure she wants to, but I don't think she would do it again. I I I mean. Not after last. I night. think they're testing yeah. the air yeah, a little bit. So since we have you here, I want to talk about the Empire Actor legally. Oh yeah, oh, good, yeah, good. Yeah, you, yeah. You have time. We're at an hour, but you have, yeah, you don't yeah, mind. Uh, okay. yeah. If okay. you have time, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. Gotcha. Yeah. So okay, I have two questions. But the first one, what's what's the worst thing that could happen to him right now, uh, legally? Just let's see. The oh boy, that was two or three stories ago. I know this. It's a, in Illinois. It is a. Class four felony up to three years in prison. I, I, I'm going on my memory because I had to research this when it first came out. <clears throat> yes, for uh, false police report. And uh, it, it's it's strange thing. It's actually technically disorderly conduct, 
We normally think of disorderly conduct as playing your music too loud, but within that statute is a felony provision for giving a false report to a to a peace officer, police officer, uh, any public official. So, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a, a real problem. And from what we're hearing about the evidence, it seems pretty strong in that they've got essentially cooperating witnesses against him, and uh, they may have video evidence of it as well. So I think uh, Jesse Smollett has some some real challenges ahead of him. And uh, the idea that he might have done it just because uh, he wanted to drum up, uh, I don't know, positive attention, it all seems very strange. I'll tell you this, though. One, the, the thing about Jesse Smollett that's not getting a lot of attention, the thing that may hurt him criminally more than the false police report is, is not the false police report. It's this alleged letter he letter, might have yeah. written that was a, a threat that went to the set of his uh, of his work, of his show. Because that, you, if you mess with the mail, now we're into federal law. And that's almost exclusively federal jurisdiction. And uh, all of those crimes have very serious penalties. Anything like a bomb threat or a, uh, sending a powder in the mail. There are uh, many, many folks who have been convicted of sending an, some harmless powder in the mail. And that's what this supposedly was. Crushed up uh, painkiller. But any, as long as people reasonably believe that it's a, it's anthrax or some other harmful substance, you, even if it wasn't, you are go, you are going to prison and you're going to federal prison, and it's a very serious crime to play with the mail. I first of all, who called it a hoax on day one? You did. I did. Really? Oh, absolutely. I did too. I, it, 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 I said it on my. I said I had said it on my podcast. Really? I said ninety. I said ninety nine percent. It's a hoax. Uh, you know, I have to say this on uh, at my network. Everything that I got from my, you know, from the the news team was to be very cautious and that this was to report only what the report was. And I thought they handled it very, very well from my perspective. I, I know there were a lot of uh, uh, pundits or people on Twitter who said differently, but I actually felt like uh, the network handled no. it well. Well, on that question of, the, of how journalists handle it, um, look, they, 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 it was so obviously suspicious that there should have been a story about the fact that it's suspicious. Like, like there, I went back actually, cause I was wondering about it. I said, how have things changed? I said, how do they handle Tawana Brawley? And if you go back you can Google and go back to the early uh, articles in the New York times about Tawana Brawley, you can see the skepticism there. It w- they weren't uh, uh, on thin ice. They weren't, you know, treading so lightly with facts. I mean, you had to believe within the first week that, this guy got mugged for 60 seconds or less in a blind spot between cameras that he couldn't have known were there. You know, they had, they had, they had tracked his trip all the way, except for 60 seconds or less, where he went dark. In the blind spot. Yeah. And in that 60 seconds, he also had to get from point A to point B between the cameras while holding a Subway sandwich that he's still holding at the end after the attack all the while claiming that he um, uh, defended the fuck of him, out of himself and then saying that he was on the phone with his manager while it yeah. happened, but neither of them, the manager nor Justin, will let anybody see their phone log. That's right. Now, yeah. that that didn't happen. That could not, that story as the facts that we knew could not have happened. Now, well, that doesn't mean there was the facts were correct, but for the media to see a, a, a set of facts which clearly could not have happened... And yet pretend, no, no, this could have happened. Well, these are the people we pay to be skeptical, aren't they? I mean, what the fuck? I mean, I mean, th- that's not journalism anymore. 
Well, that mega part has got it for me that I didn't believe. But it's all of it. Yeah, all of it. The part that I found that I found uh, odd was that, and that raised my my radar right away was the idea that now look, racism is a problem. Uh, People do racist things, but the idea, not that this couldn't happen, but the way it was described didn't seem consistent. You're in Chicago. Uh, you're there's a you're saying there's a group of uh, at least two men walking the streets white who are w- with ski masks on and, and a noose. Yeah. No, I actually I, I think they shouted this is MAGA country. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. think there was actual okay. MAGA hats, but um and and carrying to me I fixated on who would carry around a bottle buy purchase and carry around a bottle of bleach to make the symbolic gesture. Of pouring bleach on a black person, yeah, that's something that dries. It you don't even. It's not like a. Uh, it's not like a even has the symbolism of a noose. It's just the idea of carrying around bleach so you can. I mean, you've seen bleach bottles. I'm not yeah. going to get in more than three or four inches, even if I shake it real it's, hard. It's nuts. That part seemed really. I fixated on that, and that seemed really so, strange. Uh, I just ruined his wait, clothes. Wait, but you have, and but you know, like with probabilities, like one out of five chance of this, one out of five chance of that. You add all the facts together, and now you're one in a million, or one, not even one. I mean, it, it couldn't have happened the way he said. It, yeah. The way. Either the way he said it happened or the way the Chicago police were reporting the facts that they had. Garbage in, garbage out. If these facts were not true or for some reason they were telling us something to, to not alert the perpetrator. I don't know what could so I have. So I have a but, question. But wait, wait. Yeah. But um, they, 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 and I don't know how, how NBC covered it, but when they had him on Good Morning, it was a Good Morning America yeah. on mm-hmm. ABC. Yeah. yeah. That interview was reprehensible. It was. That is not journalism. That is just an entertainment yeah. tonight puff piece you i mean and and this is what's happened throughout the news and it's 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 disappointing right as americans it's disappointing anyway go ahead so my question is i know we all hate what he did and all that but i hope he doesn't go to jail yeah so a lot of people i think he he shouldn't are you familiar with the uh u.s national swimming team incident in brazil the ryan lochte yeah thing what was that the uh He, he, he 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 Urinated claimed or something or what, what he, he claimed that he, he was dropped. attacked. He got oh, or oh yeah, that's rock. right. I remember now. And right, nothing right. happened. What's the difference? Racist. Legally, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. But what happened? I don't, I don't know the facts. What happened? So he I was, remember he came. That's coming team, back. He yeah. came in after curfew, and they wanted yep. to explain why he came in after curfew, and they got. So what happened was he had, he had marks all over. They got into a fight, basically. And he pretended and that he, they started. And, and he made and it was a hoax of some kind. Yeah. And he did he go to jail? He, no, nothing happened to him. Oh, oh. He pretended he, that he was uh, held up by gunpoint. By gunpoint yeah, in a yeah, gas right. station. Did yep. they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and, in, in yep. police well, resources? There's one major, major difference. This was not in the United States. Yeah. So no, they I, must have a they have a different view in that country. It was Brazil, right? But but yeah, but yes. they spent a lot of money in security, sending That's security right. to to the whole a U.S. Uh, not not just swimming team, every team, the whole, and all, all yeah, team. a lot of a lot of money was spent. Uh, and they investigated. I think that's they, right. So how how is that? I was different? at CNN at the time. They they sent reporters yeah. there to. I mean, it was a big deal. Well, this you know? is one of those cases. You know, they talk about in law school the, the theories of punishment, and sometimes you really want to see somebody punished because you think they deserve to get punished. Like they need. 
And other times you, and I don't feel that way about Jesse Smollett. I, I think it's spun out of control. He didn't even realize, he had no idea what he was doing. It was kind of victimless crime. He wasn't framing somebody or whatever it is. Well, I would argue that that police reports are have a very, cut a very lar- large, wide swath of victims. You actually use the resources of the police and you strike terror into the community. And that is the basis for punishing false reports. So I, well, I was kind of going to say that something similar to that, which is that, but in this case, the deterrent is very important because if you That's just right. let somebody off for this, yeah, well then, you know, you're really opening it up because this is a very tempting crime for people to do. So you, you, they may have to punish him seriously for it. Well, I feel bad for the guy. And it took away from all the, you know, the real crimes that people suffer, you know. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. It could have. That's right. And that's that's the public policy behind punishing false reports. But you know what people will tell you, and, and I've in my experience, I've seen this too, that people file false reports for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's for personal gain, like you could say Ryan Lochte wanted to, to avoid getting in trouble. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's created out of whole cloth, like Jesse Smollett. And that's, by the way, that's one major difference. Jesse Smollett concocted this. This was the, he created this incident. Ryan Lochte and his buddies got in trouble and concocted this to get out of trouble. That's more like what you see in almost every bar fight situation mm. is two sides telling stories that are so ridiculously unalike that, you know, police just have to flip a coin essentially and figure out who's telling the truth. So that that may, may be a minor distinction. But what you find is that when it comes to false police reports, people do it for all kinds of really strange reasons. And a lot of times it can be emotional problems or mental illness yeah. or things like that. It really can be. And and people have a need to have get attention from the police. I mean, <clears throat> officers will tell you this, that, that uh, there, are, you know, there are some really uh, disturbed people out there and, and this may be a way of getting attention. I'm, I'm highly skeptical of the whole hate crime thing. That, that that we have an explosion of hate crime. I I, I didn't. You remember even this? against the Jews? Well, yeah, remember I didn't think the JCC bombings were yeah, legitimate. I don't remember? remember? You and said I, that. You I, said I, that I, yeah. I've had a good nose for these things. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just it was just too perfect. Yeah. Well, here's the yeah. thing with hate crimes. Hate crimes them as legislation. Now, obviously, hate crimes have been around since crime, but hate crime legislation is relatively new. And the reason it's so challenging is that traditionally our criminal laws do not punish motive they punish intent so in other words we don't care why you robbed the bank we just care that you intended when you went in with a gun to rob the bank we care about intent we don't care about motive uh you can imagine how silly it would be if every time the prosecution had to prove well why did he do it i was poor or i needed the money that doesn't matter hate crimes are an exception to that hate crimes are a situation where you have to prove the additional element of motive so in other words, I assaulted this person, but additionally because they were black mm-hmm. or because they were a particular religion or they were Jewish or Because I love the Jews. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and what you find is that you don't see a lot of hate crimes prosecuted because prosecutors make use their discretion and determine I could send this person to prison or jail or get a conviction just based on the aggravated assault. He hit him with a brick. I mean, what else? Why would I add that extra element and make it more difficult for me to prove this crime when I can achieve a conviction and send this person away or protect the community or whatever the case may be? But hate crimes are, I mean, I've often said this on the air, they present a very unique challenge because they require something that we traditionally don't require at all in criminal law. But I, there's this yearning out there, and he knows this because I was complaining about the uptick in anti-Semitic incidents on Facebook, 
and and no every year there'd be a new order and and nobody would care and I was kind of berating. What do you want the water? Oh, okay. yeah. And I was berating American Jews like like you care about every single. Somebody looks sideways at at an Asian person. You're out. You're 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 tweeting about it, but Jews are being attacked in yeah. in butcher shops in France, and you don't care. But um, and then as soon as Trump came along, everybody began to care a lot about hate crimes. But you know, we have to remember that um, Charleston, the shooting in the in the black shirt, happened under Obama. There was a shooting outside a Jewish center where the guy had bad aim under Obama as well. In other words, exactly the same as Pittsburgh, except that the perpetrator wasn't as competent. And nobody would have hold, held those at, o, uh, uh, at Obama. At Obama. Yeah. And so I don't, and so I heard a lecture the night by Barry Weiss, who's become a friend of mine, and there's one thing I disagreed with her. So, And she sees Pittsburgh as being a real like turning point in anti-Semitism. I'm like, I'm not sure it is because it seems to me that just shootings are have become like a psychological contagion. Like the shootings are, and and so we see them in every context now where we didn't before. And I think it's a mistake then to say, well, anti-Semitism has, is boiling in a new way because now we see a shooting associated with anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think that's a dangerous, that's a sloppy conclusion that's, that you want to make if you hate Trump. But I think that the, the only thing that's changed is that the temptation to hoax is very, very powerful. Now, once you have a resistance, and the resistance depends on proving that this guy is A, B, and C, then it, it's very easy to see how you would commit a hoax to do that yeah. and, and consider it to be a righteous, good thing because it, it does rally the troops. Like I was telling somebody, and then I'll stop that, you know, there's right-wing anti-Semitism, like the Nazis or whatever, and there's left-wing anti-Semitism. The thing is that right-wing anti-Semitism it kind of rallies the Jews when you see when you see the Nazis. Jews will not replace us, and like, like well, I'm Jewish. Left wing anti-Semitism, it cuts us off as the knees. It's insidious because it makes us feel ashamed. You, you can't defend Israel. We're 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 like Afrikaners. We're we're repre- you know we're the modern day South Africans. So it it and we and George and I know we see all these American Jews just totally afraid to defend anything about Israel anymore. That's because of what the left wing has done to us. So, you know, I I don't I'm mixing it all together, but I don't think that I think we should be very wary of assuming that there really is this huge spike in hate crimes because Donald Trump has activated these people. If they weren't activated already when they had a black president, like if if you're one of these people like that's pretty fucking activating. How what did Donald Trump exactly say? And let's not forget the second they had the right to unite the right march Mm -hmm. that that Nazis came with a person was killed. Yeah. Then the following year, they had it again, and 20 people showed up. Yeah. yeah. 20 people. And nobody, nobody, again, journalists, not one journalist says, well, if only 20 people showed up. I mean, Marina Franklin could, could draw 20 people. In the, I mean, <laughs> you know, like like anybody, or I don't know, just picks her name out of a hat. I mean, 20 people, to draw 20 people is not a big That's challenge. Not a big, yeah. yeah uh, right. Just kidding. Right. To right. draw to draw only 20 people when you've had wall-to-wall coverage about this march it kind of does indicate that there is some lack of enthusiasm for this movement, isn't it? Yeah. But nobody would even admit that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, so anyway, so, so it's all together. Jesse Smollett, all of it. That's, so that's why it's easy for me to believe that these things are not true. It's, it's not like, true. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I think he, uh, like Trump, again, is not the reason. 
but people, some people, uh, I think he's motivating, just like you said, he's motivating some people to become themselves more. Maybe, you know? maybe. To, to, so. to some extent, I, I I don't reject it. I'm not saying it's zero. Yeah. I'm just saying you got to, it's not what there is. If it's doubling, it's not because of Donald Trump. It may be because everybody's really looking for it now and, and really reporting it now and the hoaxes and maybe some increase or whatever it is. The, the, the part where I would believe it most is towards immigrants. Yeah. Because he has exactly he has riled up the anti-immigrant feeling. He has. And and calling them dirty and then Tucker Carlson. No, he calling them rapists and Tucker Carlson calling them dirty and all this stuff. And then all the, the people come dying from opiates and kind of blaming that on the immigrants. So I I could see that, but that's not where we're seeing the hate crime spike. Like that would be logical to me. We're seeing it against Jews. What did Trump ever say against the Jews? Ever. Why yeah. would people be going out and beating up Jews now because of Donald Trump? I, I mean, I'm Jewish. Nobody cares about it more than I do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. You're put yourself okay. in the mind of an anti-Semite. What is Donald Trump saying to you? Let we me, should move the we should move the embassy to Jerusalem, <laughs> the, the historic home of the, of the Jews. Uh, my my daughter's an Orthodox Jew. I mean, what, but because he made some reference to Bloomberg or something. It, Trump he, is not the cause of the hate. He's a symptom. He's not the cause. He didn't do this, but the people point him out yeah. as a symptom of what's happening. He's playing the game. He knows that's that's his audience, and he's he's playing he's for them. He's using it. I don't think he's, he's racist. I don't think he's... But he's using it. Yeah. Okay, can I bring another point about America? Yeah. You know, after 9-11, we really expected to see a lot of hate crimes against Muslims. Yeah. And we didn't. Sure. Think about that. Yeah. This is the same, same country. Yeah. Like, what does that say? Like, this was a real... And don't forget, you were dancing on the rooftop in New Jersey. <laughs> Wasn't dancing. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I mean, he was like, well, how is this country going to react to that, you know? And no, it, the, the country is not this horrible place I mean, that they want to make us out there's not. There wasn't a lot of hate crime against Muslim because it did help that we stayed home most of the time. <laughs> Lock the doors. No, you must have worried about but it at the of time. Course, I actually, the first thing I did, um, I, I took a walk to a friend of mine. He lives by 11th Street and 1st Avenue and there's a mosque right there and I found police protection outside the mosque. It's the first thing they did and I was very impressed, you know? I was like, wow, like they really sent, like if that happened in the Middle East, if like America, American or Jews or Christian or somebody attack Muslims and do something, it will be the end of the world. You know, you won't be able say, to, to walk in the street and just, you know, do whatever right. you do, you know. But, you know, they the first thing I saw, I saw protection right in the Arabic areas. And, you know, um, so, yeah, that's that's what make us great, you know, as a country, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, nobody under thirty thinks we're great anymore. It's very disturbing. Isn't yeah. It? It's yeah, very disturbing. That's Thank why you. he's here to make America great again. <laughs> I, all right, next time you come, I hope you come. I want to talk to you about um, Asians at Harvard. Oh, I love that. I love that case. I love that case. We'll talk about that one next time. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. If you want to share your uh, information or anything you want to do, um, George. No, thanks. Uh, thank you, everybody. <laughs> da- Derek, Louis C.K.'s less uh, show. You know what? I love him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love him. I love him. Come see me at Caroline's March 5th. Hey, uh-huh. yeah? yeah. What day of the week is that? 
Tuesday. A Tuesday. That's a I'm tough. A big draw. I'm gonna draw twenty people. Same as Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Danny. Danny. Uh, at Savalas Law, and uh, thanks for having me, folks. I love coming here. This place is just legendary to me, and I just being here is just a, always a thrill. Thank you for having Ooh. me. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome back. You didn't talk about your your health issues. Uh, no, yeah. Next. And, and I about, think next episode we have to. And how horrible I was. Not. Not. Visiting you, like no, you show. didn't know. I was a coma too, so nobody. But next episode, actually, I want to dedicate a uh, uh, next one. We talk about what I want to do is I want to talk to you about a lot of issues that we missed that day. Uh, Can you get one of your doctors on here? Yeah, sure. By the way, I, I don't like to spend a lot of money, but if you need like an EKG or something, we can. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, Zach, you can handle that, right? <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production. 